0: you. Hello there and welcome back to a new session from the teaching series on divine healing. If you remember in the last sessions we talked about the first big chapter entitled foundational truth and definitions and we got to discuss about the first two sub chapters. The first one was uh, the word of God as the final authority in our lives in every area of our lives and the second one was about the importance of a new creation mindset filter when we approach the subject of divine healing. And today we'll continue by defining what divine healing is and what divine healing is not. And then we'll begin the second chapter on God's will uh, about healing in the old testament in the new testament why did jesus heal we will we'll, uh, we'll see but before i get into today's session i would like to bring a clarification on something that i talked about in the previous sessions and i would like to make a distinction between the righteousness in the Old Testament and righteousness in the New Testament and also between the children of God, the term children of God in the Old Testament and the term children of God in the New Testament. Because if you remember somewhere, I said about a passage in Proverbs or psalms that wherever you see the word righteous you can put yourself there because you are the righteousness but that passage is in the Old Testament and we know that in the Old Testament God called some people righteous like Abraham, Job, uh, some people in, in the people of Israel during Moses so what's the difference between that righteousness and the New Testament righteousness well in the Old Testament righteousness was imputed to people was attached to people, people were considered righteous, depending on their response to the level of revelation that they had about God in that point in time. While in the New Testament, righteousness is a righteousness by new birth. It's a righteousness by nature. We are born of God. And then in the same way, The term children of God, the children of God in the Old Testament, they were the chosen people of God. They were children by election and not by nature. And uh, in the the New Testament, the children of God are sons and daughters by new creation. They are reborn. Let me give you some examples. For instance, Abraham was called righteous because he responded with faith to the promises of God. He didn't waver. He responded with faith. And the Bible says in Hebrew that righteousness, because of that faith, righteousness was imputed to him by God, but he was still a servant by nature and he was still under the authority of darkness because of Adam's sin. Okay? And moreover, Job, it says that he was a righteous man. Enoch, Elijah, Their righteousness, Job's righteousness was based on his level of revelation of God at that point in time. He didn't have even the law. He didn't have the promises of God. He didn't have the new creation promises. So he was righteous based on what he knew about God and his response to what he knew about God. And then the people of Israel were righteous by works, by the level of their obedience to the law, to Moses' law. They were not righteous by nature, and, and it was not inside of them. Uh, so the, the, there's a, this difference, and I wanna give two passages about the difference of righteousness or the difference in the children of God in the New Testament. And if you're ready, let's read two passages. The first one comes from John 1, 12, one uh, chapter one, verses 12 to 13. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But if you, you are welcome to use any other versions that you have. Let's read it together. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. So these people that believe in Jesus' name were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but from God. They are born of God himself. That means those people have the nature of God himself. In Peter, actually the Bible says that we are partakers of the divine nature through the knowledge of his son, through the knowledge, through his promises. So we are partakers of the divine nature. And another passage from John 3, 5, uh, where it says this, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So the new creation, which is in the kingdom of God, the Old Testament people were not in the kingdom of God. They were righteous on a promissory note because Christ was was coming so to die on the cross. But before dying on the cross, they couldn't become righteous by nature, or they couldn't enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was not yet on the earth. He, the kingdom of God came with the appearing of Jesus while He was on the earth, and the kingdom actually came completely in uh, power, not in a physical way, but in a in invisible way and in power after the resurrection of Jesus. So the new creation is born of the spirit of the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the new creation. It's in the kingdom of God. The new creation enters the kingdom of God. And that's a big difference between the Old Testament people. Of course, after Jesus' resurrection, they also got in Abraham. All these people to, to whom the righteousness was just imputed, they became righteous. Because Jesus went and preached and he came back and all these people that were on a, on a promise, they were righteous before Christ came, they got in the kingdom too. So let's continue today with what is divine physical healing? Divine physical healing is not God directing the doctor's hands when you have a problem, when you have a sickness. Maybe he will get a word of, maybe he can get a word of knowledge or something from God, but that is not divine healing. It's healing or uh, wholeness through natural means, through doctors. Uh, and of course, that doesn't mean we cannot pray for doctors or we cannot pray for their hands to, to do a good job, but that's not divine healing. Divine healing is not connected to exercise, diet, or nutrition. That doesn't mean again that you shouldn't exercise or eat right and take care of this body because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But that's another natural way which is good to take care of your body and walk in health uh, and a continuous health. But that is not divine healing. Divine healing is not immortality. Just because you were healed, it doesn't mean that, that you will live forever. The physical body needs to be replaced sooner or later with the glorified body. We will have a better body that Jesus had after resurrection. And everybody, if you look in the Bible, everybody that was healed by Jesus at one time later died. They didn't live forever. But divine healing... Uh, prolongs our lives here and can t- uh, give us more time and more strength to do the will of God and do as much as possible for the kingdom of God before before we check out before we go into the other uh, into the other world into the heaven of God and define he- defined healing what is divine healing now is in full manifestation is continuous health <clears throat> or immunity to sickness, that means that less and less sicknesses will attach to you. So it's a, it's a divine healing has one part where the sickness comes on you and you repel it through the power of God. But there comes a time if you continue in faith and perseverance where divine healing transforms in continuous health. Less and less diseases will attach themselves. To, or on your body or your family's body because the life of God in you is stirred up and repels automatically the sicknesses that try to stick on you. And now uh, a complete definition of what divine healing is. Divine healing is the power of God working within a person's body to remove sickness and disease and to repair or to repair the part of a human body that has been affected by sickness, disease or demonic influence. So divine healing is the power, the spiritual power of God. is something tangible, is a power that, that comes into your, or your body or someone else's body and repels, destroys sickness and disease. And that's the difference between divine healing and other ways of healing. But if people continue to do what they did to get sick the first time, so you're healed, but then you continue to do the same things in your lives that brought you to that sickness. There are sicknesses generated by us, by things that we do that are destructive to our bodies. So if you continue to do the same thing, the sickness may come back on you later. So once we are healed by the power of God, we also need to take care of our bodies so that and our minds and what we believe, what we speak, where we go, what we hear so that we can sustain our healing because we live in a world where we are continuously attacked by the kingdom of darkness with all kinds of things like sickness and disease and lack or 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 curse. So this is kind of in a nutshell what divine healing is and what divine healing is not. So with this we're kind of closing the first big chapter and I hope you you uh, You got a lot of this chapter, but we're moving on to the better part, to the more interesting part. So the second section, big section that we will stay a little bit in, it's entitled God's will on healing. What is God's will on, on physical healing? And the first subsection here will be why did Jesus heal? What was his motivation? Because if we discover that, then we will discover much more about us today. So why did Jesus heal? Some people, some Christians, I heard them saying that Jesus healed and did all those miracles just to prove that he was God. And that because of that, those miracles and healings will not happen today anymore because we are not God. So we are not. He had a special calling to prove that he was God and to show us that he was God. Well, to that, I will answer this. If he healed to prove that he was God, then also the 12th and the 17 disciples that he sent to heal, they were also gods. They wanted to prove they are gods, isn't that right? But he did not heal to prove that he was God. That's that's the first thing that I'm I'm going to say here about why did Jesus heal. I will start with why he didn't heal. He did not heal people to prove that he was God. Philippians 2 7 says that Jesus emptied himself of everything that he had which, w- which, would, which would have made him God on earth. He emptied himself of everything that would made him God on earth. He walked as a man on earth, as, an, uh, as a normal human being of the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, people of God, the people of God were anointed. The Holy Spirit would come at certain times with certain callings. And he will use people in power to do certain tasks for God. So Jesus Christ functioned in the same way. He didn't come with anything special because if he came as a God, then his sacrifice would not mean anything because he would die as a God. He would not die as a man to take all the sins on him, all our sins on him. So he didn't use anything that any other human being couldn't use. And we see that in multiple times. Multiple situations in the New Testament while he lived. He functioned as an Old Testament man who was in a right relationship with God and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let's move on to another reason why Jesus healed people while he was on earth. And let's read from John 10.10 which says this. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life. And that they may have it more abundantly. If Jesus came to give us life abundantly. As this verse says. That it must be God's will that we have life. It's his will that we have life. And even not just normal life. But life in abundance. Notice that it doesn't say abundant life. But the substance of life in abundance. Which is a little bit different. So he says I have come that they may have life. And that life may have they may have it more abundantly or in abundance if we look at the first part of the verse then it says this the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and and to destroy then it must be God's will that we are not stolen we are from and that we are not killed or destroyed isn't that right the verse shows that the will of God for us is not to be stolen not to be killed not to be destroyed And that Jesus came to give us life. And this life of God that Jesus came to give us can be used in different ways or manifestations. And I'll give another, I'll give again the example of the current, the electric current or electric power. It's a very illustrative example which shows a lot about the power of God. So the electrical power, if if, all of us know that it is used by us for different purposes according to the need. The lightning system in the house, right? It works through electrical electrical power. The hair dryer, the oven, the electronic devices like computers, like iPads, phones, they work video cameras. The same is with the life of God. The life of God can be used for health, for peace, for wisdom, for prosperity, for boldness, the life that Jesus came to bring us includes all these things. It's what God is, his nature, his quality, his, his character. So Jesus, the second reason why Jesus healed it was because he wanted to give us life in abundance and physical healing is included in that life. Jesus came to give us life, to save us from death, from spiritual death, and from physical death, from things that, God, that the devil brings from the realm of darkness, from death, that try to stick on us, try to attach to us. Let's read one more verse uh, to see another reason why Jesus healed. 1 John 3.8. I like this verse. You will see why. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's a third third reason. He came to destroy the works of darkness. When he healed all those people. When he delivered those people from demons. He destroyed sickness which was a work of the devil. He cast out devils, which was a work of the devil. So the third reason why Jesus healed was to destroy the works of the devil. And sickness is one of those works. Let's see a fourth reason. It's getting better, isn't that right? Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So here the Bible says that Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit and power and he went healing all who were sick or oppressed by the devil. And he was able to do that, the verse says, because the verse says that God was with him. He healed because God was with him. That means that it must have been God's will for Jesus to heal. Did you hear that? It was God's will. Since God was with Jesus when he went about doing good to people, healing people, delivering people. That must mean that it was God's will for him to heal. So the fourth reason why Jesus healed, it was because it was God's will to do so. Jesus healed the people because it was God's will to do so uh, and let's see uh fifth reason let's read from Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 and then to chapter 10 until chapter 10 verse 1. It's uh, a little bit uh, of a bigger passage but it's just a few verses Matthew 9 35 to 10 verse 1. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, "'The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few.' Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest and when he had called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Did you hear this verse? Jesus healed every sickness and every disease. There was no exception. There was no sickness or disease which was stubborn or Jesus struggled to get it out. The same he did with his disciples. He sent them with power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. Here, I like how how inclusive God is and Jesus is. He said, go and heal all kinds of diseases and all kinds of diseases uh, of sicknesses. And what, what caused Jesus to give power over unclean spirits to his disciples? It was, the uh, verse 36 says this, he was moved with compassion for the people. So the fifth reason was compassion. He It was compassion for people when he saw them. That is what moved him to do so. It doesn't say anywhere here in the passage that God told him to do it. God didn't tell him specifically to do this or that God led him to do it. And still we know that Jesus was always led by the Holy Spirit in everything he did. Amen. The, so the, the Bible didn't say that the Holy Spirit gave him a special leading or told him specifically to, to do this. But he, it did, he did it because he was moved with compassion towards people. He loved people and we see this in another in multiple passages in the new testament and i would like to take the time to read them all not all of them but a few matthew 14 verse 14 and when jesus went out he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick now we see here that a multitude of people were healed by jesus because he was moved again with compassion towards them Matthew 20, 29 to 34 says this. Now as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Verse 34. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. Again, if you notice in this passage, these two blind men got healed because of compassion. Jesus had compassion on them. Verse 34 says that. He had compassion and touched their eyes. And I don't like the term "pity" that ESV version, English Standard Version uses, and maybe other versions uh, too, instead of compassion, because usually pity means whenever uh, manifest, whenever you cannot do something to help, you cannot do something for those people that you have pity for, you cannot help them. But compassion looks at those people. And has something to do, can help them in a a certain way. So we see Jesus that he looked at those two blind men with compassion. And he did something. He asked them, what do you want me to do? To receive our sight. Receive your sight. That's the difference between compassion and pity. And here again you see the human influence. The human thinking compared to the new creation uh, thinking. Compared to the God thinking. You see that uh, what a small difference uh, in terms does a big difference in spiritual matters. And also we see in in this passage that you cannot say that Jesus was specifically led to heal those blind men because Jesus was going his way and this blind man stopped him. But when they stopped him, he was moved with emotion, he was moved with compassion, and he healed them. And that was in the will of God. Because Jesus was always led by the Holy Spirit, he was always in the will of God. So this is a very important principle, that you can be led by the Holy Spirit without a special leading, without a special uh, word of knowledge. But whenever you do, what's the nature of God, the character of God? You do it out of compassion for people. Then it's the will of God. Because that's who God is. That's what his will is. That's what his character is. So the fifth big reason why Jesus healed was compassion. And I would like to read a few more passages that show this. It's not just an isolated situation. An an isolated circumstance. circumstance. Mark chapter 1 verses 40 to 42. Now a a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus, again we see, moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Amen. So Jesus again was moved with compassion. Uh, Mark 5. Chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. And when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. And one more passage here from Luke 7, uh, verses 11 to 15. Now it happened the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, This is what we are called also to do, to raise the dead, to heal the sick. Matthew 10, 8 says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, clean clean out the leprosy. This is our calling as a new creation. And we see here that Jesus didn't have compassion on the dead body who received the healing and the rising from the dead. He didn't have compassion on that dead body, but on the mother of that young boy. Then he said to the young man to rise, here we see that compassion on a third party, on someone that you know, maybe you are sick, but you, Jesus has compassion on, uh, on a friend of you, of you, of yours. Jesus had mercy and compassion on the, uh, on the mother, which God, this young man, healed and risen from the dead. What I'm trying to help you see through all these passages here is that Jesus's mode of operation goes completely against how we think we have to operate. He didn't operate through special calling, special leadings. He did what his his father's character was, to heal people, to do good to people, to to show mercy and compassion to people. And that's what we are also called. That's why we uh, studied, why did Jesus heal? Because he is our example. I was saying in a previous session that he is the only person, the closest person that we as new creations should identify with because he expressed he's the expressed image of the of God the Father he is the expressed image of godliness of God of the Godhead and the Godhead that's his nature that's his character to heal. Now let's move on on the, on the second subchapter of this big section God's will on healing and we will talk about healing in the Old Testament. What was God's approach on healing or God's will on healing in the Old Testament? Healing has been God's will from the beginning. And we'll see, we'll see that in the Old Testament, all throughout the Old Testament. That God's will about healing, on healing, was from the beginning. And it's not something new in the New Testament. And if healing was God's will in the Old Covenant, how we will see in the, ne- in the next few minutes... If healing was God's will in the old covenant, all the more it will be in the new covenant. Because the new covenant is a better covenant and was established on better promises. So let's read Hebrew 8.6, which which says exactly what I said right now about the better covenant. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also mediator, mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. So the new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant and is established on better promises than the old covenant. So if we see God's will on healing in the old covenant, all the more we will know that healing is on God's heart in the new covenant, in the new Testament. So let's begin by reading Exodus 23 verse 25 in the Old Testament. God says, so you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Amen. Even when you eat processed food, God blesses your bread and your water. Even if you eat unhealthy food, which is not recommended. But even if you eat that, if you bless it, God blesses that your bread and water, your food. Moreover, right in the middle of the verse, you see, God changes the person from he to I. In, uh, in the first part it says, he will bless your bread and water and then turns to I. I will take sickness away. And that says that if something that you ate caused sickness to come on you, I will take it away from the midst of you. Even if you ate something unhealthy and cause sickness on you, God says, I will take sickness away. That's in the Old Testament. Does this verse say say that God might do it or that God does it sometimes, but he doesn't do it other times or that he might do it for some people that serve the Lord, but he will not not do it for other people that serve the Lord? No, he says it for everybody. He says, I will take sickness away from you. Don't you love those two words? I will, I will that's his will he doesn't make any any separation any distinction from people to whom he will uh gives he will give healing he says i will take sickness away from you and somebody might say i know that god can heal me but i don't know if he will and this is a big struggle that most of the body of christ uh, has uh, uh, believing and because we have struggled believing that that word was ripped out of our hearts And we are constantly in the body of Christ, in a state of unbelief, not believing the promises of God. Because we don't know if he will. We know that he can. You know, always said, yeah, God can heal me. God can heal anyone. But does he want to heal you now? Is his God's will to heal you personally? And the Bible teaches that when you are, un- you are in unbelief, you don't get to cross the Jordan. If you, if you look at the people of Israel, nobody who had unbelief got into the promised land. Only two people, Joshua and Caleb, Caleb. They had faith. And, it, and only, only the people that can refrain and keep their heart with all diligence are going to able to see this, to be able to see this. Now, in this passage that we just read, did anyone twist God's arm to to say, I will take sickness away? No. He said that I will. You know why he said that? Because he loves us. That's his heart. I will. That's his will. So nobody forced him to do that. Nobody twisted his arm. But out of his heart, he said, I will take sickness away from you. Let's see another passage from the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 15, verse 26 says this, and said, If you diligently hear the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on which, on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. See, I will put none of the diseases on, on you which i have brought on the egyptians i am the lord who heals you even though in the old testament health and healing here if you see were conditioned by the people's obedience to the law to god's commandments we can still see god's heart and willingness to always heal his people in the New Testament all those conditions from the law from Deuteronomy 28 from the uh, from Moses law have been met by Jesus Christ they were fulfilled by Jesus Christ and all the commandments of the law have been obeyed by Jesus Christ so that now the new creation has free access to healing there's no law, there's no more curse there's no more what if I disobey God what if I don't do the right thing what if I sin even when you sin God still will heal you he will still heal you because that's his heart, that's his will, that he's his willing to always heal his people. And we, let's read one more passage from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 4. It says this Your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. And Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 21 uh, says something similar 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. See how powerful this verse is. They lacked nothing. Uh, their, Their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell of so much walking. So for 40 years in the wilderness, God provided health. And I was talking about in the beginning about continuous health. It wasn't divine healing. It was health. God provided continuous health to his people and their feet didn't swell. Neither they got infected from so much walking. If you walk so much for four years, you, in our times today, you will get infected. You will get infection to your, to your feet. But they did not have any infection. And the Bible takes the time to say that that God sustained their bodies and their clothes supernaturally that's what I'm talking about divine healing is the power of God is the life of God and he's always willing to to do that for us Psalm 91 verses 1 to 11 says this he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge even the most high your dwelling place no evil shall befall you nor shall any plague come near your dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways what do you say of the Lord just that you will trust him to do whatever he thinks best no the passage says here know his truth is your shield. His truth is your shield. What he said is your shield. No evil or pestilence or sickness, you could put here, or plague, plague will come near your dwelling and he will keep you in all your ways. This is what Psalm 91 says, that truth is your shield. The truth that he will not send any plague, any sickness near you. He will not dwell it he will not let it come near your dwelling, says the Lord. And he will keep you in all your ways. This is so powerful. Sickness can... Verse, verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it, it shall not come near you. Those thousands that, that can fall at your left and right hand, they can also be your uh, comrades, your Christians. Not only people from the world, but even them... It will not come near you. If you take the word of God, the truth of God, that his will is to heal you and to sustain you in continuous heal, it will not come near you. Amen. Psalm 105 verse 37 says this. He also brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among his tribes. When they came out from Egypt, the Bible says that there was none feeble or weak among the tribes they were not weak and the bible says that because God sustained them was sustaining their health their strength let's read one more passage psalm 107 verse 20 God says here he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions he sent his word and healed them his word healed them and the word, the word heal here doesn't refer to emotional and spiritual healing. It's physical healing. And delivered them from their destructions. Whenever the people of Israel, if we look in the Old Testament, cried to the Lord, He sent His word and healed them and saved them from all their destructions, from everything they did to themselves because they were destroying themselves and then they came to their senses and cried to the Lord if we see judges and all the way throughout the Old Testament, the people of God sinned, did something wrong, then they cried to the Lord and every time God healed them, came and, uh, and saved them from all their destructions. And now one more passage and this is so powerful and kind of introduces us in healing in the New Testament. But see, even from the Old Testament, see some a, a very powerful principle from Psalm 103, verses 2 to 3. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are those benefits? Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So you see in this passage that all his benefits include remission of all sins and healing of all diseases. Even from the Old Testament, this is an Old Testament passage addressed to the people of God in the Old Testament. We can see that forgiveness of sins and healing of sicknesses are on the same place and God is more than willing to grant them both all the time. If you remember what I said in the beginning, those two powerful statements about divine healing, you see here that forgiveness of sins is equal to God with healing of all sicknesses and not just some sicknesses. All sicknesses, in the same way, there are no sins too big for God to forgive. God forgives all sins, all iniquities, in the same way there are no sicknesses or diseases too big for God to heal. He heals all sicknesses, all diseases, in the same way he forgave and he forgives all our sins. I want to read it one more time. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, which include forgiveness of sins and healing from all your diseases. I think we will stop here. And until next time, may God bless you and keep you. And we look forward to see you in the next session. Uh, uh, on this series, teaching series.